0: Welcome to the Know Your Gear podcast, episode 303. Let's get into some questions. The first question I saw today I'd love to hear your thoughts on Friedman guitars. Any experience with them? Yeah, I've actually owned two Friedman guitars. The Friedman guitars, the ones I played and owned, were were made uh, under the uh, supervision of Grover Jackson. So I I don't want to say they're made by Grover Jackson because they have a shop team, I guess, that build the guitars, but Grover's like running it. And Uh, my understanding, I haven't officially talked to anybody and I know a bunch of these, uh, uh, these, these people. So it's funny. I haven't talked to anyone about it, but, um, my understanding is that Grover moved to Tennessee. And so he's no longer in California. And I don't know if he's currently making the Friedman guitars anymore. I look at his Instagram posts and stuff. Obviously I saw the big announcement that he's doing the Morgan, uh, guitars, uh, for Joe Morgan of Morgan Amps and um, I see that he's doing his OG guitars, and I know he's doing OEM, which is uh, basically building, ghost building for other companies, um, but I haven't seen or heard anything from the Friedman guitars in his shop, and I noticed on Friedman's website that there's no guitars listed on their website, and I I only seen like one in stock in Sweetwater, so I haven't seen any Friedman guitars, so um, I know Tone Talk is Friedman's, uh, Dave's part of that show, uh, and so that would be a good place to ask. <laughs> if you go on the Tone Talk show, check out the show. I was even on there once uh when they first started. Uh like I said, Mark and 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 Dave, I think are are very uh very cool dudes and of course, yeah, obviously I'm a huge Friedman fan because I I love his amps even though I pointed the wrong amps twice. <laughs> but um so I mean, you can go on there. Um the other thing that's great about Dave is Dave Freeman is customer service for Friedman. so it's like you can actually email if you email Friedman amps you're talking to Dave if you call talk to Dave don't bug Dave about stupid things I mean <laughs> I mean if you're a customer obviously you know reach out to him but I'm just saying he is someone who actually interacts with his customer base it is a very unique thing to see somebody on at a company even that size because so, you know, it's a bit it's a big big mid-sized company now uh still interacting with customers at that level and you could find out for sure but if the question is what do i think of the quality of i thought the quality is fantastic um i mean absolutely uh, fantastic on the level with anything else in that price point without a doubt uh fantastic guitars and uh and uh i hope they continue to make them uh this one is from devil's own who says hey phil if i cut the nut for a heavy gauge strings, so he's talking about cutting, uh, widening the slots. We use the term cutting when we're really filing on nut slots, but it's, so basically he files the nut uh, on, uh, files the slots on a guitar nut to to have heavier gauge strings, in other words, bigger strings in diameter. Um, does he need to replace the nut if he changes back to thinner gauge strings or smaller gauge strings? Absolutely, you will have to do that. That is the downfall of that. Now, there is, a, I, I want you to be clear. If you if you file the slots for 10 gauge strings, so 46 gauge string at the low e and you go to a 9 gauge that ends in 42, do you have to change the nut? Absolutely not. The variance is that small so that it's okay. In fact, you can probably get away if a nut is cut for 10 to 46 gauge strings and it's and it's filed and slotted for that, you could put nines on there and you could probably put 11 to 48s and then you're fine, but once you go 50-52 gauge on that low E, or anything bigger than that, you will have to cut the slots, and then once you do, or I said don't cut your file, you'll have to file the slot out, and then once you do that, you will have to replace the nut. Option A, replace the nut to put smaller strings, or option B is use the baking soda technique, which is baking soda and super glue, and fill it in if you're so inclined to do so it's it's a temp fix in my opinion but uh, I've seen it you know daily and I've done it a million times I've seen it a million times but either way you you have to be prepared for that one thing I I suggest if you can if you're a devil Zone if you have this option uh, it's what I prefer to do so when a customer would come to me and say hey I want to put uh let's say 12 to 56 gauge strings on this guitar and tune it down and it's the slots on the nut are cut to 10 to 46, instead of cutting his slots, instead of uh, filing the slots on his nut, if it was easy, which usually it is, I would remove his nut and make him a new one. (laughs) Right? Um, Because here's the tricky part. The charge is really for doing the work not the material is not, is it, it's inconsequential, inco- it's cheap. I mean, if you look up nut material, I mean, it's dollars. I mean, it's not even $10, it's dollars. So to take a, uh, even if you use Tech or whatever, you know, pre-slotted nuts, whatever you're using, it's a very inexpensive piece of material. So to me, I always say, hey, look, if you have a guitar and it's set up correctly, 1046, and your nuts cut right, why why adapt that one? Take it off, put a new one on, and then when you switch back, switch the nut back. You have it, you know, just put it in a little envelope or a little a baggie in the guitar case or our gig bag and uh like I said, two dots of Elmer's uh, glue or two dots of, of type bond and you know that's all it takes. Like I said, don't use any super glue or epoxies. Use I use type on wood glue to put a nut on two little dots, or sometimes I'll just smooth it out there and stick it in and just clean up the excess. Either way, it's water soluble, so a little wet paper towel or wet cloth, clean up the mess, done. And, uh, the only time that's usually problematic is sometimes, you know, they clear coat over the sides of the nut and stuff like that. That stuff you might want to consider, but trust me, it, you, you will have to pay the price eventually. If you don't do it now, right, when you change it back, you're going to have to pull the nut off and put a new nut on it. So that's the way I prefer to do it is just start with a new nut on the guitar and then keep the old one ready to go so that's a suggestion i have uh bvs says hey i uh, he's uh bvs uh, says the question is the dgt se or the eric johnson strat tone playability build quality and uh as a measuring stick so these to me are so dramatically different guitars (laughs) i mean dramatically different i mean not only in their construction and their sound Uh, so to answer this is simple for me, which one would I prefer? Like if you were going to offer me one right now, and I'm not even talking about based on price, I would take the Eric Johnson. Eric Johnson is one of my favorite production Fender Stratocasters of all time. I, I believe that it's as quality as custom shop Fender. In fact, it's the closest production guitar that Fender makes currently, or in the past that rivals a Fender custom shop product. In other words, by it's. Uh, features its quality i mean the eric johnson strats have always been just a fantastic instruments playing sounding you know um they have just always been a cut above a lot of the other uh, strats as even artist strats that fender does and and there's probably a little bit of because of eric johnson's uh you know, I heard he's pretty meticulous and that's probably what's involved there. But also it's the specifications that he requests because you can understand artists, that's one of the la- la- uh, luxury they get. They get to request features. And even if those features are outside the norm of of uh, the company's normal parameters. Here's a good example. A question we got on the, on the Ask Know Your Gear website that I think will kind of mix with this was somebody asked uh, that I think it was Sean, by the way. So Sean asked, um, that I once mentioned that Paul Reed Smith had Mojo Tone building their cabinets for their speaker cabinets. This is true, but only in the higher, like, I think now it's only the DGT cabinets are made by Mojo Tone. And I'm not even sure about that, but I'm pretty sure it's, that's the one, um, back in the day when, when Paul Reed Smith was all USA made amplifiers and all their cabinets were, you know, pine box and stuff spec out and made in the USA, all of them were basically coming from Mojo Tone, and, uh, and that's who built their cabinets. So it's important. Now, of course, most of their cabinets are built overseas. Uh, the last couple I've tried for demo were all made in China and different, you know, different construction. Uh, now they're more of a plywood than the, the pine construction. However, the question was from Sean, which is going to connect all this together, was uh, since PRS puts on the SE guitars, that these guitars are made by Cortec, or when they were made by World, they're made by World. Why don't they put that these are cabinets are made by Mojo Tone? I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> I don't know why they do that. Um, it could be because maybe the cabinets aren't fully constructed there. Maybe only the boxes are done there, and then Paul Reed Smith finishes them, and in, in, you know by putting the logos and putting speakers in. I don't know. I'm just this is i shooting from the hit guesses. But the importance of the question was. Um, Sean's question was: Since that is a connection, in other words, uh, Paul W Smith was using Mojo Tone for their boxes. Is that why I think it's the Dusty Waring uh, guitar has Mojo Tone pickups? Right? Is there some kind of connected connection? The DWC24 and Dusty Signature guitar with Mojo Tone pickups. So the question Sean was getting at is. Is that connection because of the cabinets is why they're using those pickups? And it's actually not. It's because Dusty uh, probably has a relationship with Mojo Tone, or just got a set of their pickups and liked them. I have a couple sets of, uh, of Mojo Tone pickups, and they're some of the best pickups I've ever heard in my life. And um, and so I can understand that. So he's like any artist. He's like these are the pickups I want in this guitar. So what's nice about that is even though Paul Reed Smith would never probably put Mojo Tone pickups in his production guitars an artist requested it. And if an artist requests it, that's part of the agreement to make the signature guitar. So same thing with Eric Johnson. That was a long way to tie this back into Eric Johnson, which is, uh, hold on. I got too many screens up now. Eh, Even I can't keep track of this stuff. Um, uh, and so just like Eric Johnson, he specs out the guitar. So to me, to me, even though the DGT SE is specced out really nice and it's great guitar, I just, I don't think it can be considered to be in the league of the Eric Johnson Strat. But they are totally different guitars. So I can't say, you know, uh, I mean, they're different scale lengths, they're different neck carves, they're different wood materials, they're different types of pickups, they're different features. They're just different. But like I said, if you're asking me which one should you get, um, what I will tell you is this. The Dusty, the DGT, I'm sorry, I'm confusing artists again. The DGT SE is a fantastic instrument. I have a deep dive video on it and it is fantastic, uh, instrument all the way through. I think it's one of the best SEs they've ever done. I would definitely put it in the top five, if not the top three SEs ever made, uh, and they're in their since in their company's history. That all being said, I still would not hold it in the same regard as an Eric Johnson Strat. Um, and Eric Johnson Strat is a guitar that if you buy that, you it's you will have it obviously both will last forever but i mean it's an heirloom it's a it's it's iconic and it's not just because it's made in america versus indonesia i mean there's factors of that but i try not to get caught up in that is my logic right for that stuff um i like to get caught up in the fact that just the eric johnson is a beautiful instrument and like i said they're different i think about this the the eric johnson's also nitrocellulose lacquer And the DGT is a polyurethane finish. I mean, there's just, like I said, it's not apples to apples, it's apples to oranges. But at least I could give you the insight on that, on the construction. And, of course, why some of the decisions were made. And we tied in two questions. That was two questions for the price of one. Look at that. Okay, let's get into some other questions. We have, I see everything twice, says, Happy Friday, I'm thinking about buying my first crazy dollar guitar. And I'm stuck deciding between the Shabbat, S-H-A-B-A-T, and the Nick Uber, Huber, I don't know if it's Huber, Uber, I'm gonna say Huber, I say Huber with an H, and it's probably Uber, with no H sound, I apologize to Nick, he's an amazing guy, and I never thought to ask clarification, even when I think I talked to him once, uh, how do you decide when you can't actually play one, terrifying on many levels, you know, that's a great question, so the, to, on a side note, the Nick Uber guys uh, from the company reached out and they want to ship a guitar to the channel for review. Uh, so, uh, but the problem is I haven't been able to prioritize that because they said it takes a year once I order it. Um, you know, basically they'll build the guitar. They want me to kind of dream up a guitar. They'll build it, they ship it, and then we can have it on the channel and, you know, check it out. And then if they said, if I want it, you know, maybe we can work out some kind of deal with a discount or something. Um, which is another thing I'm afraid of. The last thing I want is another expensive guitar. (laughs) you think it'd be the first thing I want, but after a while you're like, okay. uh, So uh, even if I got to review one, it's a year out. So it's like, you know, that far out, it's not something I can... uh, So my answer to you, uh, I see everything twice, is real simple. Um, You got to ask yourself why you want these guitars. I mean, if you never played them, what is driving you to buy them? Um, You know... uh, this is the thing I talk about all the time. This is the tough part is that this is why as a, as channels like us talk about prices and deals and, you know, and, is because we're in a, and I've said this before, we're in a buy before we try environment now. We used to be the try before we buy. You used to walk in a store, try something. If you liked it, you bought it. Now you're in a buy something and try it and see if you like it and then maybe you get to return it Maybe you don't and when you're special ordering It's really a don't return kind of policy, right? And um, and that's what's tough and I understand that and I've said this before is recent the last couple episodes When you're looking at guitars like that the quality is not in question, I don't expect you to get a Nick Uber guitar and have a problem with the quality. I believe the quality will be amazing. It will be probably some of the best quality you've ever played. Will it be better than anything you've ever played? I don't know because I don't know what you played. But in my experience, when you deal with really high-end guitars, they're not better. They're just g- really, really good. Is almost like a guarantee that you get them out of the box. And, uh, you know, in other words, odds are out of 100 times, you 99 times, you'll get a great guitar. But, that being said, does that mean you'll like the way it sounds? I don't know. Do you like the way it plays, the way it feels? I don't know. But what I will tell you is that when you buy guitars like that, the resale value on them is tough, right? It's tough. It's why, like I said, when we did the Badlands project, this guitar company, we did the limited edition runs. That was, a lot of people said, which is rightly so, they're like, oh, they want to use a FOMO uh, uh, marketing technique, which is the fear of missing out marketing technique. You know, so if, hey, if you don't get one now, you'll never get one this is true. Although we were kind of restricted to how many guitars we could physically build anyway. So it didn't really matter. But the reason we, but at a time, obviously we could have said, okay, we'll do another batch in six months or whatever. But the reason we wanted to do that was as, as someone who's reviewed so much gear and, and, and bought so much gear, I'm not even talking about what I've worked on or any of this stuff, just the experience of buying gear. One thing I've learned is, is that I, I can create an environment where you're not protected. I mean, I just, that's too much of a guarantee, but it's, you're I like the word insulated. In other words, you're more, you're less at risk. So if you buy a guitar that's limited run and they're not going to make any more, like what we did, you could get the guitar. And well, I mean, we gave you a return policy, but if you don't, uh, let's say a month after the return policy has expired and you have this guitar, we kind of expect it to hold its value considering you can never get one again. You'll have one of the few. I mean, think of this. There's only there was only 1,859 Les Pauls ever made. We're going to make a hundred of this guitar. I mean, obviously, I'm not saying they're in the same league, but you understand it's going to be rare. So that's the downfall. Of what you're doing with these two guitars, you're buying guitars, and really, what I would tell you is, um, the only thing, I, the only advice I, get, I can give you is, is you you got to be very clear in your mind with what to expect. This could be a money dump. That's what you. That's what happens you know? And, uh, that's why I always use the term comfort zone with money and not, uh, like a financial condition. Like somebody is either rich or poor. Cause I don't find as someone who's sold guitars to people personally, one after another, what I learned from that is that had nothing to do with anything. I watched people who didn't have current car insurance buy a custom shop Strat. And I watched people who drove up in a Porsche buy a Squire and, Literally it's because how people prioritize their money and I'm not condemning or rewarding either one of those two statements I made. I'm just showing you that's how it works. Um, so what's interesting to me is, this is what I'm gonna tell you, I see everything twice, is your comfort zone. You have to be comfortable with buying a guitar at those prices, knowing that what the pitfalls are gonna be. Between the two guitars, I can't help you, I'm sorry. I just don't have any experience with those two guitars to say, hey, each one? which one I could push you towards. But I don't think that's really the question that needs to be answered for you. I'm treating you like a friend. Like we're talking right now at a beer at a bar and you're telling me about this big purchase you want to do. I'm going to tell you the same thing I would tell my friend, which is, you know, be okay with the money part of it and and nothing else will matter after that. But if you are, are, are literally at your end of your comfort zone or out of your comfort zone with what you're about to spend and hoping that if it's so amazing that then that will justify the decision you just made with your money... My experience says that is not going to happen. You will be disappointed. And it's not because those guitars aren't great. They're great. It's tough. Like I said, in the buy before you try environment, it's a tough environment. You got to be okay with it. So, suggestions here's what I would suggest. Okay for that kind of money. Because, so you guys know, if you're not familiar, I'm not familiar with the other brand, but I'm familiar with the Nick, uh, Nick's brand. And $5,000 and up is uh not even a question, question for his guitars. That's where they land. Um, You know, at that kind of price point, maybe it's worth hopping on a cheap uh, uh red-eye flight, staying in a Motel 6 and going to a music store somewhere in the, where they have them in stock. Okay? Maybe that's worth it. Because, let me tell you, I mean, you know I mean? Just you know, it's just a day turnaround and torture. Uh, you can, you literally take a red-eye flight, show up in the morning, take a Uber, right? Go to the store, get some breakfast, go to the store when it opens, try out some guitars that have someone that has a dealer that has those guitars and then literally fly out that night or stay in a cheap hotel and fly out the next morning. That makes sense to me. I would do that before I would just blindly throw out that cash or, or if you don't want to do all that and it's not practical for you, maybe you're not in a situation to do that, uh, cause of logistics wise where you're at. Um, That's why you want to buy used because, you know, like, think of this, if you can get your hands on one of those guitars used at a good price and it's like, but yeah, it's not the color I want. It's not the thing I want. Trust me though. You're just trying to get the guitar, play the guitar for a while. Love it. Right. Um, and, and then once you know, like, yes, I love this neck profile. I love this guitar. Then sell it off probably for what you paid for it. Okay. And then, literally, order up what you want. And even then, you're taking a small chance, but the chance, you know, each 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 decision is making this situation better. That's my advice for whatever it's worth. So, there you go. Uh, thank you for the question, by the way, and I hope it works out! And I think I saw you mention you're not going to be here for the live show, so you're hearing this tomorrow. So, uh, uh, I see everything twice, It's it's... For you, it's today, but for us, it was yesterday that you got the answer. Uh, Alex says, action was high on my Strat. I bottomed out the saddles. Tighten the micro tilt. Action is better, but now dead frets on the high on the neck. Yeah, because you, your angle is now jacked. Um, <laughs> I had to raise the action again to get rid of them. Do I need to tilt the neck more? No, you need to shim the neck. Uh, and again, I'm not looking at your guitar, and there could be better answers to this, but I'm going off a verbal description of a problem. <laughs> So I'm going to give you a verbal, uh, answer. And this is what I would suggest, uh, you could take something, I would say a piece of sandpaper. That's what I like is just a thin piece of sandpaper. You could do, you could use a business card that's almost too thick. So you understand how thick we're talking, uh, cut yourself a little strip about uh inch and a half wide. So it's about the, you know, just so it'll fit in there, uh, inch and a half wide by, you know, maybe a quarter of an inch, right? So inch and a half by quarter inch, or I don't know what that is like uh, five millimeters by whatever, uh, 30 millimeters, maybe 40 millimeters. I'm not sure. Anyways, you get the idea. Um, you just cut yourself a strip and shim the front of the neck. So you can use the tilt too, but shim the front of the neck. Um, you can also buy from Stumac, these wood shims and you can find knockoffs on on Amazon, but keep in mind, I haven't tried the knockoffs, so they might not be what they claim, but your return policy usually is pretty safe on Amazon, but they make wood shims. And what you need is raise the whole neck up. See, the tilt is just tilting the angle and that could help, but in your case, it sounds like it's not helping. So you need to actually raise the whole neck up. So you raise the whole neck up and you can use a, you know, the shim and the tilt or you can use, uh, like I said, just stick a business card in there. Right now, you're just trying to solve the problem. You can worry about the permanent fix later, right? So, so right now, I mean, even if you shove a whole business card in there, <laughs> just sticking out and everything and then put the neck on, screw the screws in, And then literally set it up. And if your action is dialed in great, then maybe get a nice wood shim. It's again, that's what you need to do. You need to level up the neck, not so much tilt or adjust the angle of the neck. Um, because like I said, adjusting the angle seemed to create the problem on the high frets and that's what you don't want. Uh, mouth hog, that's funny. Mouth hog says just wanted to say, thanks. You make life better, man. That's thank you. That's the best compliment you could ever get uh, for doing this. Sometimes when I'm jacking my jaw for two hours, I, I question my sanity. (laughs) I'm like, why am I doing this? (laughs) And so when somebody says, Hey, it's entertaining. Hey, I, you know, if you learn something, that's even better. Um, but if you're entertained, I geez, that's the best answer ever. Uh, because then it, it gives me the momentum for next week. (laughs) I'm like, so, um, but thank you, man. I appreciate it. Atten says, hey, uh, hey, Phil, I was wondering how your album was turning out. Have a great week and cheers. So if you guys know, I started recording, uh, my own tracks. So, and when I say album, I, I think I've t- explained this. Um, I don't plan to sell it <laughs> in any way. Uh, if I do, it will be not sell it. I mean, if I distributed, it, it would be kind of like, I don't know why you'd want it, but if you could, uh, uh you know, just have it for free, <laughs> right? Okay. I could care less. We'll figure that out, right? I'm sure. Um, but what I'm trying to what I'm doing is I've been writing my own uh songs, uh instrumentals type songs, so that and actually you've been hearing the album, you just don't even know it. What happens is 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 I believe, uh, through all the copyright strikes and the copyright stuff and everything that's been happening on YouTube. And I post videos on Facebook, and Facebook's even more aggressive with finding this stuff. Um, I've been more and more playing, like, my own music to demonstrate the guitars, and that's what I'm doing. And the reason I want to put an album one is that way maybe I can file a copyright and therefore say, hey, this is music copyrighted, so, you know, I don't have to deal with anybody. But more importantly, it solidifies what I'm playing so sometimes if you hear me playing stuff and you're like, I kind of heard that before, maybe sometimes it's because I'm playing a cover or something or a version of cover or something. And sometimes it's because you've heard it on 10 other videos. Um, so uh, so that's so that's what I'm doing with that. Uh, what happened with the progress that is, uh, the Badlands thing sucked up a, a gazillion hours of time. The, the, uh, the way that that went was not as planned. <laughs> Um, the big issue for me that I've been playing catch up with, and all of us have been playing catch up with, is when we released the guitars, um, I think I said this before, so I kind of feel like I'm just hitting this again, but uh, when we released the guitars, we had a plan, a 45-day plan. People had 45 days to order the guitars. We had a marketing plan to last 45 days. So the problem is, is we had put all this effort in a marketing plan, and then they sold out in less than three days. There was no reason to execute the marketing plan, but we didn't plan to start building and doing all the stuff until the until the marketing plan was over. And then we had to jump right to that. So we were a little caught off guard. So we, we literally, like, it sounds like selling out fast sounds good, because it is, but it was not to plan. Right? I mean, obviously, it was 42 days faster than we thought. That's a big thing. I imagine you guys have jobs, right? Imagine... You're sitting in an office, and you guys come up with a meeting, or you're sitting in a meeting, and you guys execute a, a a plan, right, right, for the next month and a half, and then three days later, they go, okay, we we already nailed it, so now we have to jump to the thing a month and a half from now that we plan to start. Then we're starting now, so that has been sucking up a lot of time. Um, and that means since, you know, what is that? Not only ensuring that the guitars get done on time and built and all the things that mattered and that stuff gets communicated to the people who purchased them, but also the next model has, is now, has, has to be on his schedule. Now, David wants to know, do I think, uh, Kiesel will someday build in Europe? Um, well, you know, I don't have any insight on that, but, you know, I guess the question would be like, could I foresee that? Uh, no, I couldn't foresee it. I wouldn't know. I don't know what the... I mean, the advantage would be obviously, uh, you know, if they're building in Europe, then they can ship in Europe without paying all the the, the taxes and duties, which are insane. Uh, they're heavy, man, heavy, heavy, heavy fees and taxes and stuff. And so, uh, I could see the logistically why they would want to, but I just don't know what uh, what that would look like. See, I think it's because a lot of companies, uh, there's different building strategies for your guitars. Okay. And the Kiesel business strategy is cemented in the idea that they build their guitars. Okay. So let me give you an example of that. Like Paul Reed Smith builds his guitars, but he also has guitars built overseas, like I said, in Indonesia and in China. And of course, at one time in Korea. And you know, would PRS ever build in Europe? I don't know, but it it's, could be likely because obviously they trust other manufacturers to build their stuff. They may trust a, cause that's what you would want to do. You wouldn't want to build a factory in Europe. Kiesel wouldn't want to build a factory in Europe. They would want to find a guitar company in Europe. It's like Coca Cola, right? You just find bottling plants in other places and then you have them, you give them the formula and everything, and you work out the deal to where they make the product to your standard and that it, you know, and you make it to where it's the same wherever you go. That's logically how it works. So, they're not really set up like that because they're set up in a control system, which is they're controlling everything, right? They, they do everything that's their employees. Um, so some companies are not very <laughs> comfortable with letting other people do things. Um, obviously, um, the, uh, the business model that we're implying, and I know, uh, you know, I told you, I don't want to always talk about badlands, but sometimes that this thing that we're doing is supposed to be an educational process for you guys too. There's a, there's a reason why we're doing it the way we're doing we can like we could build badlands in europe absolutely because we can send the we can send the information to another manufacturer right and literally work with them and say okay this is what we want and then essentially we're the quality assurance department we're saying hey we just want the guitar to be exact like the guitar that's coming out of california it's coming out in europe and we could do it that way absolutely can be done that way in fact one of the Badlands owners is in Europe, (laughs) right? Uh, so, um, so basically we already have a foot in there. And like I said, we're, our business model is designed to be fluid like that. And, um, and we think that's because that's the future. We think that's the future of, of businesses. Um, the idea being when, you know, everybody's familiar with the term outsourcing, right? So Paul Reed Smith outsources guitars to Indonesia, China, right? To those two countries is where they're currently building guitars outside uh the US. We did outsourcing. Like Chapman. Chapman outsourced his guitars, right? We outsourced the guitars, but we did uh we did um what, what's wrong with me today? Um we did domestic outsourcing is what it's called. We outsourced but kept it in the United States, right? So we could then move that to Europe, right? Um and and that's how it that works. We we have that ability. We're a fluid that way. So, and it's, I'm just using us because I don't have a problem talking about what we're doing. So like I said, other companies could do that. They could build in Europe. Um, Fender uses a distribution in Europe. They'll, they'll, they'll build the guitars in the USA, but they'll have a warehouse or somewhere for them to go. Kiesel doesn't have that option again, because they don't warehouse guitars they build to order. So they don't want to just, dis- they don't have distribution or a need for distribution in Europe. They would actually have to build a factory. I don't see them building a factory overseas and I don't see them licensing a factory. Um, and that's with no information from them. So, you know, it's not like I'm giving you insight. I'm just, pontificating on the things I tend to know about this stuff. Um, but that would be my answer for that. So, uh, so there you go, David. Uh, but keep in mind other companies can, cause like I said, I just explained it. It can be done. So front level midnight. What's up, buddy? He says recommendations for a good tech luthier in the Maricopa city area moving to Glendale soon. Oh, cool. That's cool. You're moving to Glendale. Um, and I have order to go. I have nowhere idea where to send you. Uh, I have, if you are a legitimate repair person, what I mean by that is uh, bonded, licensed, (laughs) right? A legitimate repair shop in the Maricopa County in Arizona, uh, where I live. Uh, I would love it if you reach out to me. I have reached out to shops. So obviously, like I said, I haven't done repairs since June of 2020. When COVID was shut down, we shut down, we couldn't do repairs. Um, cause I couldn't inter- interact face to face with people. And then when it came back online, you know, COVID, I had already started making pickups. And you guys now know at that time you didn't, because I wasn't telling you that obviously we had started a guitar company. <laughs> so building the guitars and getting the stuff right is more important, you know, right. So focus on that. So the question becomes, I get it every day. So, you know, I get every single day we get an email somebody in Marico in Arizona asking for a place to take the repair. And I have, as you can imagine, I feel I have a lot to lose recommending a bad shop to you. So I'm not going to do it. So I have reached out to shops that I know and that I liked and, uh, tried to like work with them. I I I understand. I want you to understand what I mean by work with them. I mean, like, you know, Get, get some understandings that I'm going to recommend them and send customers that way. And that I want I want to obviously see if we can make sure that the quality would be good. So I don't feel like I have somebody emailing me, you know, six weeks later saying that was a horrible experience. Why did you send me there? And, um, uh, the, uh, what I got back was pretty freaking horrible. <laughs> uh, man, the level of, and maybe it's either cause they're all busy, which is good. Cause you know, I was busy too, or maybe they don't care about new customers. I don't know what the deal was. Um, but like I said, if you're out there and you want to work and you are a credible shop that I can verify and feel trust in you, I would gladly recommend you. And let me tell you that recommendation would equal tens of thousands of dollars per year minimum, but I just don't feel confident recommending anybody in the Valley that I know. So, you know, and it's not a dig. If there's anybody here that's really good and I haven't talked to you, well, then that's what it is. But if I've talked to you and you're not getting recommended right now, you can be very sure it's because of the conversations we've had in the past it did not make me feel confident recommending hundreds and hundreds of customers to you. So uh, if that burns a little bit, it probably should, because you should have paid attention when I was trying to make sure I sent a lot of customers to you that they would get good service. So there you go. Also, so, you know, I, and I've talked about this, um, we had planned to open a repair shop in the Valley with Nathan and that's how Nathan ended up working for Fender custom shop. Um, he was driving, he had, he had, he had gave notice to PRS. He was going to come to Arizona and we were going to open up a, a, a bigger repair shop and literally like the, like literally on the way to the West coast, COVID happened. And it just didn't make sense to start a repair shop when we didn't even know if the world was going to exist in, in, you know, in a week, you know, two weeks, flatten the curve. Don't worry. Anyways. um, And so he continued on to California to where his parents live and then got a job at vendor custom shop. And so maybe that's a future too. You know what I mean? Well, maybe he'll come and, and we'll build a, a repair shop here. That's what I'd like to do. But right now we got to get past the <laughs> the hurdles we're hitting right now. Um, So... So there you go. But like I said, if you do repair and you don't mind me basically, uh, you know, trying to ensure that you do good quality work, (laughs) I I don't want anything for the referrals. It's absolutely free. It's just free business. In fact, it's, there's 1133 of you watching right now live and, and then 30,000 will watch the show probably on YouTube and another 80,000 on the podcast streamings. I would send you all in if you're local gladly to these guys if they could just make me not nervous (laughs) you know i just want to know some things how fast can you you know return product what's your limits what can you do are you insured what you know i mean like i said just some basic stuff so all right uh (laughs) i'm sorry i just love this question dt's question is have i ever accidentally reverse wired an output check yeah you know i did the first time I ever did it is when I realized my eyesight was starting to, to fade on me. Um, you know, I I never wore glasses. Uh so you know, I never wore glasses and uh and I was supposed to. That was the worst part, okay? Uh so when I uh <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying this, but just so you know, I was supposed to wear glasses. When I joined the army, I don't know if you guys know, when you join the army, uh, when you go through, uh, you go to maps and you go to Improcessing, when we go to in-processing, they do all the stuff and they tested my eyes and they decided that my left eye was, has a weaker vision than my right eye, right? Yeah. Is that right? Yes. No. Backwards. My right eye is weaker than my left eye. It's backwards. Why can't I think of this? <laughs> I have to pretend for a second. Hold on. So my left eye is dominant. It's uh, So my left eye is 20-20, and my right eye is a little crappy. The problem is, is they want me to shoot, because, you know, even though I was going to turn wrenches in the Army, you have to shoot to get out of basic. And uh, to shoot, they had to make me glasses, and they made me glasses where one, you know, it's is got a uh, prescription and one's, you know, not, because I only have one bad eye. And um, I didn't want to wear the glasses, because I had never wore glasses before, and I didn't know what to do. So I... Before and in processing, before I got, because you're in processing for, I was there for like a week or two and in processing, before you go to actual basic where they start screaming in your face and spitting on you, um, I threw the glasses in the trash because I knew if I showed up to basic without the glasses, they wouldn't even know. And they didn't. So I never wore glasses. And when I took my shooting test, do you know, um, what I did was on the faraway targets I had trouble seeing, I just wouldn't shoot at them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, and so when the uh so if another part target popped up that was closer and i missed i would know i think it was like four targets i only had you, you know it's 20 you do 20 and 20 when you're shooting 20 uh 20 targets and 20 targets and the prone and one sitting and then one's the prone position or something like that it's been a long time so uh anyways there's four and four targets that are far away so what i did is i didn't fire at the far the far targets what i did do however so you know is i If I shot at a target and I missed, I knew I had extra rounds, so I would shoot the extra rounds. This is a dumb story to tell you guys, to just explain how determined I am to not wear glasses. Until one day, when soldering an output jack, I just visually couldn't see, because they're all shiny and small. I couldn't see it, and I I swapped them. It doesn't do anything. Like I said, if you you solder an output jack backwards, you'll know right away, and it doesn't hurt anything. You just do it back. That's why I tell everybody, if you're going to try soldering for the first time, do output jacks, because... If you get it wrong, well, you just reverse it and you got it right. So, you have the 50-50 chance to get it right. However, I have a really good video on showing you how to always tell uh, which one you're supposed to solder the hot in the ground to. But, like I said, that would help if you can see. So, like I said, my my vision... and as I get older, my vision is just getting worse, and so it's time for glasses. Um, So, there you go. So, there you... I don't know why. Yeah, the of the buddy holly glasses yeah it wasn't the glasses themselves or, or I hated it was just wearing glasses I don't wear jewelry I don't wear jewelry I don't wear necklaces so it was just I don't I'm not I'm not I don't enjoy things on me you know so that's what it was Randy crooks says thanks for what you do Phil longtime viewer man I appreciate that so much like I said you guys I appreciate the 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 thumbs ups I appreciate the 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 subscriptions I appreciate. The, uh, in fact, so, you know, uh, and obviously the viewing, the consuming, uh, all this makes it possible. So, you know, we were talking about the podcast today. Did you know 80% and I know you guys, a lot of you guys watch a lot of guitar channels or other YouTube, cause I watch a lot of other YouTube too. And you, and you've never heard this. I can tell you that. Did you know, according to our YouTube analytics, 80% of the people who watch my videos are subscribed. That is opposite of what everybody else says on YouTube. I want to thank you guys for that. It's, our analytics show that if you like this channel, you consume a lot of it, and that's it. (laughs) We just don't, we, we are slow to get new people, but when we get them, they like to hang out, and uh, I like to believe that's because the community feels good here. You know, it's a, it's a good, it's a good place to be. It's not just me, it's just, you know, it's when your comments are not horrible, when the chats are not horrible, it's, you know, it's nice. It's nice to feel in a learning environment, and this is what it is. And you know, a lot of people have, uh, you know, issues with this. You know, they 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 say, "Hey, look, they want, you know, uh, they don't want everybody to think to be lovey-dovey." I don't want everything to be lovey-dovey either. That kind of feels phony, and sometimes it's fake, and that's not funny either. But what I want is, I want everyone to feel like there's no there's no recourse for learning. Okay, no shame in it. You know, you know the saying, "There's no such thing as a bad question." There probably is, but there's no shame in it. There's no shame in learning. I'm learning all the time. Like I said, I started this entire episode jacking up the ik multimedia, ik multimedia, and the and the spark. Look, we're flawed people. We're just a bunch of dumb guitar players hanging out on Friday talking about guitars and stuff. Um, we're not solving the world's problems by any means, but at least we're having two hours of something that's in, we can enjoy and have together. And uh, it's the closest thing I have to be, to having sports friends. <laughs> You're like my sports friends because I don't like sports. So this is how we hang out and not talk about sports. <laughs> so, okay. Um, next we have, um, I don't know who we have. We have modern vintage. Modern vintage says, Hey, who manufactures Jackson, Indonesia, uh, see 2017. Now, uh, how is QC Luthery wood quality uh, versus SSEs? What it feels cheap. I don't know who built it. My guess would be Cortec. Look, if you're in Indonesia and you're a major company, you're probably with Cortec. That would be my, my guess. You gotta understand Jackson, Paul Reed Smith, SE, uh, you know, who else Indonesia, obviously some of the, the Squire stuff. Um, some of the Charvel stuff I think is Indonesian, some of that stuff. When you're in the big, when you're in the big leagues, when you're selling thousands, if not tens of thousands of guitars, you're probably with Cortec. They're huge. So I would imagine Cortec. Um, that would be my guess, but it, there's chances that it cannot beat them as well. It could be Samick. I don't, I haven't even heard anything from Samic in years, so I don't know what they're up to, but my guess is Cortec, And it's just a guess, like I said, cause that's how you go to, um, you know, that's who the, you know, like I said, that's who you go to. Like if you, if you were going to start a guitar company or if you were a cu- current guitar company and you want to make an Indonesian line of import guitars of your guitars and you wanted to do orders in the hundreds, you probably, you could go to Cortec, but you would probably not go to Cortec. You would probably use a different vendor, an OEM or somebody, a builder, but the big guys are probably going to Cortec. And I like almost everything coming out of Cortec. Um, When I say almost everything, I mean, it's because I can't, you know, I can't, I can't testify to every single product ever made, but um, taking apart guitars and the reviews and, and checking things and testing them, uh, the, I almost feel like every time I see a core tech manufactured instrument, I know I'm going to have, it's going to do pretty well, right? I mean, it's not going to be perfect. Nothing's perfect. That's the silly, you know, you strive for perfection, but it's, you know, but it's not always going to be obtainable, but you're going to have a pretty good instrument. So we tuned to C. says just bought a used Gibson Explorer. Can you recommend a tech in Phoenix area that does stainless steel refrets? You know, Okay. So this is a good, this is a good question. And I can't answer the question we tune to see, but I can answer the question. And here's what I can answer the question question with. So this, uh, this, I'm more interested since I have a global audience. Okay. And more importantly, I have an audience that's, you know, all over the United States. And sometimes the questions, obviously, because like I said, I, you know, I get questions about people who are in my area, you know, what repairs in my area. And like I said, I'd like to have some resources to you. What I'm doing right now is I'm doing a collab video with someone who I'm curious to see the results. I am having a guitar that I really love, (laughs) okay? Again, I'm putting my (laughs) my money where my mouth is. I'm putting something I'm nervous about. I'm having it refretted by someone and the entire experience is, I'm gonna document the entire experience from start to finish of shipping it to them, having it done, what's the turnaround time? What was the cost? What was the guarantee? And so we can, uh, suggest that to you guys. And, um, and I might even do two or three of these, um, with, uh, because I think that might be the future. Look, refrets have gotten so expensive now. Okay. It's not like the old days, the old days, you could refret a guitar for 150 bucks. I remember refretting guitars for a hundred dollars. I remember two of my, uh, my, my favorite, my, my friends who are tech techs in the area that I, I love, um, charging a hundred bucks. This isn't like in the eighties or nineties, this is like 2010, right? So, I mean, it was, it was not that long ago. A refret was a hundred bucks. Now refrets $300, sometimes $400, 250 bucks. It's all over the place, but either way it's expensive. And this is the important part now. Now the expense is high enough, which is not a good thing thing. I'm not, I'm saying that's good. It's, it's, it's not as to the consumer. I mean, it's nice that the tech might make more, but the, the good thing is now is that now shipping a guitar is more practical before it didn't make sense to ship a guitar for $75 each way to pay hundred dollars for a refret. Now it's possible, especially when a lot of the places that are doing refrets that I'm hearing good things about, um, include the return shipping and the refret kind of deal. So it's like you pay to ship it to them and then they refret and ship it back to you this might be the thing. So we'll see how it goes. And so to answer your question, I don't know anybody local I i, I, I could recommend. Um, and here's why um, we tune to see. I can think of two shops right now in the Valley, if you're you you know where you, in the Phoenix area, that I trust their work. I just don't trust that they'll get the guitar back in a reasonable amount of time and that their price is consistent. Again, when I said I had a conversation with a, uh, some shops in town, one of them I, not only did I want to make sure they're insured and all this stuff, I wanted to make sure that the pricing was structured. I was shocked to find out. I am sho- I was shocked. I still am shocked to find out that there are places out there. And by the way, I, a lot of guitar techs, a lot of luthiers watch this podcast or listen to it in the background. Let me let me ask a question, and please put it in the comments. If you're a, a legitimate luthier slash repair person, if you're in this industry doing this, please put in the comments, the permanent comments of this video, and let people know. How, uh, your answer to this question. I'm answering you. This is the first time i am answering a question to you guys. I'm answering there. Do you set your pricing? I have always set my pricing. I do not understand the whole, I quote it. I'll quote it. I don't even, what do you mean you'll quote it? I understand some jobs need a quote because they're involved. But to me, a setup is a flat rate. The refret's a flat rate. Even if that refret is like bound fretboard is this, stainless steel is this. I mean, there's different, but, but a price list a basic price list seems to be not a lot to ask to, to have. Um, that's simple, right? Uh, if somebody was to, to email me and say, Hey, Phil, I want to, uh, have a, a guitar refretted. Like someone just asked me just now stainless steel. I would love to be able to say, Hey, look, uh, there's three or four capable people. This one charges, this, this one charges, this, and this one charges this and go, go have at it. And to be told that that can't be, a <laughs> Priceless can't be set. Uh, it makes no sense to me. So let me know. Maybe I'm the, the, the wrong person. Maybe I'm the ass in this. Um, if you're a guitar tech out there, if you're a re- out there doing repair, you let me know. Set pricing is a thing. And again, what I'm saying is I understand certain times you have to quote prices. Sometimes the job is just so cockamamie and crazy. You have to come up with a price, right? To figure it all out. But I'm talking about basic things. Set priceless seems to be a standard thing. So let me know. Um, yeah, I, like I said, priceless seems to be basic for repair business. Again, you know, again, basic, basic things should have a basic price. So, uh, so to answer your question, we tune to see, I hope to have a better answer for you very soon. Uh, Chuck Miller says, "Golden radiator, 1999 pickups look like toasters. (laughs) I can't find much on much info on them they have a spanky sound thoughts on your experience let me look at the guitar sometimes uh that is not a guitar that is that is uh sounding super familiar to me and i hit my mic okay uh oh yeah yeah i remember this guitar um let me look to see I'm going to share with you guys. So I'm looking. This is what I'm looking at. Uh, Golden Radio, 99, 1999, 2013. Okay. I can't seem to get a close-up, but is there information? Yeah. The pickups sound like Rickenbacker toasters pickups. Okay. So what was the question? <laughs> okay. Um. Question was, they look like Rickenbacker toasters. Well, apparently, according to this person on the web internet, interwebs, they sound like Rickenbacker toasters as well. Um. Um, oh, it says this person said they have low end like a PAF. I don't know. Did you, did you try reaching out to Godan Guitars? Um, I know that seems so strange. You know, you're, you're, you're asking me a question and I'm like, well, contact the company, but here's why I'm telling you that there are certain companies. We we just recently talked about this last week about certain companies don't know their own history, Right. Godin is the largest manufacturer of guitars in Northern America. Okay. A little fun fact for you guys there. Um, there's a little play on words on that, right? So obviously it's the, it's, it's the biggest one in North America. Cause obviously they're in Canada and not in the USA, but Northern America, they're the biggest manufacturer. Cause they, uh, you'd think it'd be Fender and stuff. It's not because Fender outsources so much stuff to, to, uh, to Indonesia, China, you know, Japan, Korea, everywhere else. And, um, and same thing. So, and, but Godin is, is it's, uh, it's been the same company. I believe it's the same ownership the same family ownership since the beginning. So they're a company. I believe if you contact them, uh, two things I could tell you, (laughs) um, the, uh, if you contact them, they'll probably have the information and they might be a little curt. Uh, I mean that because, um, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to say this, (laughs) Trying to say this correctly, um, I've had a great experience talking to people in person at Godan, like at the NAM shows. Always pleasant, always nice. I have talked to them many times on the phone, and when we were a dealer for Godan, we would choose like the shortest straw who had to talk to them on the phone. Um, because they're um they're French Canadian and it's must be something in that cultural thing. There's a curtness to it. Uh, you know, kind of like New Yorkers are kind of known for being a little <laughs> a little abrasive uh and i mean no offense some of my best friends in the world are new yorkers but i mean you know it's a it's a it's a definitely a tone or personality thing uh there's a little curtness so i'm just warning you so in case you you get on the phone and they're short with you they say things that are short and um yeah <laughs> so i wouldn't be surprised if they go why do you want to know <laughs> Um, but like I said, they are a smart company, a good company, and you can get answers. And I could be totally wrong. You can call them up and they can be super nice. I'm just, tell- I'm just telling you, we used to actually literally, uh, I'm not exaggerating. We used to choose who in the store had to call to talk to them about whatever the issue is we had, because they were always like said, very, very <laughs> matter of fact. <laughs> so you better know what you want to ask before you get on the phone. Don't, don't, uh, don't, uh, jumble around, just ask the question and get the answer and go. Um. Okay. Yeah, Steve says, I'm... <laughs> hey, I'm in New York and I want to fight about it. They, um... You know, it's funny was I was just telling my buddy who lives in New York, I was explaining to him that, uh... That, um... <laughs> that New Yorkers, because they talk fast, I talk fast, which is not typical um, for West Coasters, right? They usually tend to like, talk a little more chill, right? A little more chill. You guys think this is... Some of you guys probably don't understand what I'm saying, but it, I used to run uh like i said i used to do oracle uh i was oracle certified i used to run oracle which is a database system and i ran a daybox system which is a dialing system uh because they were connected and for large call centers and call centers have to be aware of this that you know as you talk to people in different regions of the country they talk at different speeds so you know people are some people are more laid back and some people are faster but the problem is this is somewhere from new york the people who talk faster tend to get aggravated with people who talk slower and sometimes think of them as being like not as smart and, um, which is not true, of course, but, uh, but <laughs> you, you know, we used to have to talk, talk about cadence and, uh, and that's maybe why I talk fast. Cause that's what we learned is like, when you call the East coast, you better talk a little faster or they're going to hang up on you, uh, if you have to talk to them about something. So there you go. Uh, where's my next question coming from? Uh, It is scent of a wheelchair pillow says I bought that PRS PVT private stock. I always wanted and love it suspect I could get most of all my money back if needed. Thanks for the comments last week. Oh, awesome. That's great. Like I said, uh, sounds like a good buy. So like I said, I think it's great. And you know, PRS is always a way to go because it's good quality stuff. And, uh, and, uh, like I said, if you feel you can get your money out of it, I, like I said, I think you were buying it right, right? It was, uh, I think that's what we were talking about, is the fear is that, you know, they could get really, they don't hold value very strong, but you were buying at a pretty good price, so I think you're fine. None of that matters anyways, because you like it, and if you like it, then the resale value isn't really so much important. It's only important until you decide you don't like it. Ray says, hey, I bought American Professional 2 Rosewood board, and when it arrived, I opened it before leaving the store terrible fret sprout. Yeah, that's right. The clerk got mad because I said, take it back. Wait, the clerk got mad because I said, take it back. Fender boards have been super dry for some reason. Uh, I have a uh, Fender Ultra Tele review that I have not finished editing and the frets are the absolute worst frets I've ever played. Next to or actually equal to the Kramer $150 guitar that had the frets that actually cut my hand and I wanted to stop playing in the video. Um, when I say cut my hand, I want to be dramatic. Like it was not like a blood, but you know, it's tearing up my hands. Um, yeah, I don't know what that is. Like I said, I feel like Fender's quality has been subpar for uh, a while now. And I think it's the volume and how hard they're working their employees and how fast they're making guitars get out the door. And I think, you know, you, that's what happens. You suffer from that. You suffer from, from working too fast, you know, um, if you're old enough, you remember the Lucille Bell show where she, remember the, the candies and then she starts eating the candies because they can't keep up with the conveyor belt. That's what I picture Fender to work. At. That's how I feel the employees are working at Fender right now. Just, they're just work, 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 go get them out, get those guitars out. And I, it's gotta be the answer. Cause like I said, I've seen so much sub quality Fender product as a, someone who really likes Fender. It's like I said, it cautions me to, to be. I guess I I don't know what I'm saying. It makes me cautious. That's what I'm saying. It cautions me, it makes me cautious to buy Fender stuff. So it sounds like you had the same experience. I'm sorry you had that experience. The good news though is that you can have that treated and fixed. What I would Look, it's not it's not a thing of defo- of defect. In other words, if you have fret sprout on a guitar, it's not a thing that if you have corrected, now your guitar is not worth as much as valuable and it's not bad. It just has to be corrected. Um, so keep in mind, Ray, there is the solution of you could have the shop do it, you know, for free, uh, I, you know, obviously, if they could build, especially under warranty and build to Fender. But again, I made an a episode about this where I made the comment, this is true. If you go on Fender's website, the president of Fender, I guess, said that that Fred Sprout is really our fault because <laughs> it's the climate and us not humidifying things correctly and stuff. And uh, they're not really count, counting on our warranty, even though we used to, as a fender dealer, we used to warranty Fret Sprout. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know what all this is going on. I, I I feel like now that the COVID thing's kind of, you know, we're on the tail end of the of the, of the the product. Where again, when I say COVID, I mean the time where the manufacturing, the, what the manufacturer's dealing with. I feel like now there's a slowdown in sales and now that there's, you know, more supply chains are not a problem. I feel like, I don't know why the quality issues should continue. Um I think they should be able to dial that stuff back in. Jason says, "Phil, I just bought a PRS DGT core, got a great deal on reverb. If I want to try different pickups, does having factory solder joints affect resale?" That's a good question. It seems that, you know, what I love about that question, this is exactly what I was talking about earlier. It sounds like a question that some of us are like, what, of course not. But some of us are like, hmm, does it, (laughs) right? So that tells you it's a good question. Absolutely not, does not affect the, uh, the, it does not. Um, Look, there are certain guitars, okay? Really expensive vintage guitars where every component on the guitar that's original is very important to the guitar for its resale value. And having it not altered, which is the word you would wanna use in this case, is important that is not going to happen most likely in the in your guitar's life the fact that it's a high-end american custom guitar not custom but you know i mean high-end american guitar um it, it, it's that makes it valuable and and of course you know 30 40 years from now it will be some kind of maybe vintage product but it's probably not going to have the same issue uh as like a you know vintage strat or vintage uh les paul um, so my point is, no, it's not likely that you would be damaging the resale value by changing out components, what you do. And like I said, in his particular to his question was, you know, the solder being original. I don't know how you would even tell if the solder was original or things were original. There are certain things you can tell. On like I said, you could tell on old guitars if the solder was original, because there's different solders. Now we have, we have obviously lead free and then you have leaded solder. And there are things that are, you can tell now that you know, that not again, not even if it was returned to original, if it would been messed with, there's signs to tell. But as someone who's had their hands in these guitars daily uh and looking at them, you know, thousands of guitars, I have not seen anything where I would go, oh, sir, come here for a second. Did you know somebody switched this out and then switched it back? I don't know if that would necessarily, as long as it was quality workmanship and everything's fine, I don't know what the problem would be. So no, no problems there. So I would feel... I feel pretty confident telling you that swapping your pickups and swapping them back if you decide to is not a problem at all. What I do recommend and always recommend is that you bag and tag your parts. <laughs> okay. Uh so always, always take uh, Ziploc bags, man. They're just they're super easy. Just put your parts in Ziploc bags, uh, take some uh, masking tape or some painter's tape, write exactly the year, all the stuff, what what's on them, as much information as you can, even if it's just you know what guitar it is or show number, put it with the guitar always keep your old parts uh for not only resell and vintage possibilities and all this stuff just it's just good just good idea to do it <laughs> just have it and uh when you're taking them out is the best time because everyone always uh and i tell you that it's a habit you have to do because everyone does the same thing they'll they think they're gonna oh i'll do it later and then you don't do it and then a year goes by and then you're looking at something and you you go well of course i'll know these are the pickups in the guitar and believe it or not you know maybe pickups are easy but sometimes certain other parts you're looking at them going I pull this from. <laughs> You're like, what what is what is this? So um So uh like I said, I would uh I would definitely don't worry about it but also like I said make sure you keep the parts together, bagged and tagged. Okay. Um grumpy my guitar. I didn't do your super chat last week, man. I appreciate I appreciate you being uh, uh understanding about that. I don't know why I missed it last week. Let me read yours today. It says, "Hey Phil, I'm doing what? No? No for the tone jar and why not, huh? So if I if you put it and I don't say it, <laughs> now you didn't put it and I do say it. That's interesting. I think I think grubby my guitar just did some <laughs> he did some psychology on me. Uh he like tricked me. <laughs> so, uh even though he didn't say it, I heard it. I heard, "Hey Philip, for the tone jar and why not." Uh anyways, I'm doing my second super chat uh, yeah, and why not? Because this show and your channel is damn well worth it. Oh, and bourbon. Oh, bourbon, huh? That's nice. Um, the <laughs> By the way, Grumpy Mike, your channel is great, too. I still watch your channel whenever I get a chance. Uh, um, I, I like it. Like I said, I tend to gravitate towards uh, channels. And that's also why I try not to make the feel of my channel change. I don't really like the too polished kind of vibe channels. It's not like it's a, a, some people have all kinds of agendas why they do. Me personally, I just want to see somebody tell me their thoughts about something. It's really what I enjoy. And, and also now that I do it so much, it's nice to have perspective and I watch somebody else and I go, okay, that's interesting that that's their perspective. I find that a lot of times you guys have a lot of different thoughts than I do. And uh, I find that really interesting. (laughs) Like I said, I'm more interested in people who disagree with me than agree with me. um, Because I, like I said, that's how I change or I grow, or at least I try to. Um, Mike says, Hey, Phil in for deep dive request. Oh, looking hard at the extremely ha. See what I did there? Extremely ha limited edition Walnut version. I will do a uh, in for deep dive. Obviously extreme released their new song this week. The new album comes out, I think in May, May 10th. I believe the new album comes out May 10th. Uh, If you haven't heard the song, it's freaking great. If you're an Extreme fan." Uh, and if you're a Nuno fan, it's even more ex- extreme. ha <laughs> see what I did there, Mike? Uh, because the solo in that song is killer. And, uh, I do recommend that if you w- listen to the song, you loved it, then I think you got it. And if you listen to the song, you didn't love it. I need, you need to listen again. It's definitely a, it takes a couple hits on you and, but definitely that solo go through it. It's just great. Um, and, uh, beautiful, beautiful, uh, guitar playing of course, as always. And, um. Yeah. I would like to, I'll do a deep dive of this guitar. Like I said, I plan to keep doing more and more of the deep dives. Now we have a more of a structure. I think that for that to happen more, more consistently. Uh, Michael says, Hey, my line six wireless system transmitter, transmitter wouldn't make contact contact with the output jack on my two gigging guitars installed, a pure tone. You recommended fantastic. Oh, great. I love the pure tone jacks. Um, as you guys know, um, I did the sponsored video yesterday that Pure Tone, uh, provided Jack's the, and, um, so, so that is, there's a couple things that happened yesterday. Uh, and then I'm going to do some giveaways. I'm going to say this thing. Don't worry. I'm, I'm still going to do some questions. I'm going to say this statement and then I'm gonna do some giveaways, but I want to say this thing that happened yesterday that maybe you guys don't know. Um, in the background sometimes of the channel, I like sharing this. Um, I'm changing things. So sometimes you guys see the channel and to you guys, it's like, you know, everything's going normal, but it's secretly behind the scenes. I'm like, I'm, I can't wait. Like, I'm excited. Like you're going to see the change. So obviously I changed things up, uh, new backgrounds, uh, on the channel, uh, new, new things, new, new, new things. And more importantly, we, we had this idea that we've been trying to execute on it and really COVID really jacked it up. And, uh, and here's why it was obviously a lot of companies weren't interested in sponsoring videos and the easiest sponsorship to get is a rev, uh, a, a video of the product. So in other words, like if brand X wants to send a guitar, it's the easiest thing for, to get a sponsorship on YouTube for is obviously like, Hey, they'll send the guitar or they'll pay you and send the guitar or they'll pay you or whatever. And you do the video, but deep down, I, I don't, that's not the way I prefer to do it. Right. Um, what I prefer to do is just do the videos I want to do, because the problem is, and I've told you this before, is, is that I, although I appreciate the companies that help the channel, and they immensely help the channel, it couldn't survive without that help. Um, it's like, you guys, like, for instance, right now, one of you just said, hey, do a deep dive on this N4, and I think if I do that, I think I'll get some clicks, and I think it'll be an exciting video, but... If I was a contact watchman right now, they'd be like, no, we want you to review our new this, right? They, they, that's what they would be interested in doing. And so we've been trying to get what we did yesterday. If you haven't seen yesterday's video going, which is what we did, where the sponsor sponsors a video and then we can do whatever video we want. And so you're going to see more and more of that. We've been lining that up. And more importantly, the thing I've been wanting to do, which is get parts companies and maybe tool companies to sponsor the videos because... This is where it's smart for them because if I'm going to take guitars apart and show you what's good and bad about them, wouldn't it be nice to show you some of the parts that I think are quality? All la the pur- pure tone jacks. So that's what that was. I'm glad the pure tone jack worked out for you. I like them. I use them on like I said, I use them on every single one of my guitars where the jack goes forward, so like an SG or a P-bass, so that's no question there. And then I use them on most of my other guitars as well. Um and, uh, like I said, I can't say I, uh, every single one of my guitars have it, because I don't take out a good jack just to put the pure tone in there. Like you, if I'm having an issue, I switch to the pure tone. I just like the way they feel, and I like the way they work, and, um, I like the quality. So, that's how it works. Uh, Richard says, hey, Phil, I still see the market as being flooded, and great deals are out there. Your thoughts? Well, I know the great deals are out there. I've, I've acquired two recently. We know that the market has softened, absolutely. Um, if you, um, if you watch my uh, video of, I uh, I I think it's called something like I review a guitar I hated or something like that, uh, you know, because obviously we have, we got to come up with clicky titles. <laughs> the titles, so you guys know, they're not for you. You guys are the, you guys are the diehards. You guys are, are supporting the channel. You're awesome. We got to get the videos out past you guys all the time. That's the, that's the trick, right? And the only way to get new people to watch anything anymore is you got to sensationalize the title a little bit um it's just marketing 101 so you know you're never going to get away with like hey this guitar is good <laughs> right and so you know it's it's in my opinion it's the the problem is is that so many there's so many youtube channels so there's a lot of competition but there's also a lot of channels that just have really oversold something to the point where people are very skeptical of anything you're saying anyway so your your channel has to have an interesting title to click on because you know, like, my joke is always, like, somebody's like, I got a guitar, and you'll never believe what I thought. And I'm like, yeah, hey, you thought it was great, because we... <laughs> it's not because somebody paid for the video. It's because, literally, of course, your guitar... Look, you're, you're a guitar freak like us. You probably love stuff, because we we all tend to love guitars. So, um, you have to find cool things. But, anyways, that guitar, that Ingve guitar, that was... I couldn't find that during the last three years. You couldn't even find one in that color, that model. And not only did I find one, but I got a really good deal on it. In fact, I paid... Almost $900 less than I, if you could even get one, then they were going for used uh, the last uh, two years, three years. So what I will tell you is, I, I think I've told you guys this, during the the uh, pandemic, I didn't buy a whole lot of used guitars. I bought mostly new guitars because the new guitars, like I said, I would buy them pre the inflation of their price. So the guitars would jump at price, but I would find one that hadn't jumped at price because that was the market price for it. And the only thing I was really losing was the 10% discount I could gen- generally get before. And even a lot of times I got that. In fact, I bought an es thirty-five during that brand new and got it for uh, 10 or 15% below what they were selling for new, but used guitars were going crazy prices. So not only are the prices come down dramatically, um, they have also, because here's the thing, it's, it's, it, feels, it feels shocking. Some of the used guitars have come down in price 30 40% that fast. And that's a big thing. You don't think of it as a big deal, but that's a big deal. A 30-40% drop in price is huge. And a lot of the guitars I see at those prices are not moving. So we're seeing that. Now, here's where I don't want people to get confused. Although the market for the guitars can be slowing down and tanking a little bit. I'll say tanking. To to say outright that it's crashing is would be really uh, a misstatement because they're still selling a crazy amount of guitars not we're not selling the pandemic level and we are as far as I can tell, we're still selling at some degree what we were in 2019 across the industry. so you're still seeing that. what I am seeing is a lot of inexpensive guitars glunk, you know gumming up the, the market because a lot of people got a guitar during the pandemic are getting out of it and they're selling off the cheap guitars and that happens a lot but also, the, the boats arrived, you know, like I said, all these boats were out there floating the ocean forever. And when they showed up, all the customers were gone. So there's a lot of them gummed up out there for that as well. But, um, there are good deals right now out there. That is for sure. So I agree with you. I, I am seeing guitars to see flooded. He's like saying it's being flooded. I don't think it's being flooded. Again, I, I can tell you right now, if, if someone who's actively watching <laughs> it's not even like, I don't want to say like an industry thing. I'm just as a, as a guitar geek, like you guys, as a guitar geek who goes on Reverb, eBay, you know, <laughs> Sweetwater Craigslist daily, daily, like it's a daily thing, man. And I, I, I almost hate to say it, but it's absolutely true. Like I get up in the morning, sometimes the first thing I look at is that. And the last thing I look at night is definitely that. And then a couple of times throughout the day, I'm like, what's on Reverb, right? So as someone who's actively daily, and I mean, I don't think I've ever skipped a day I don't, I don't ever looking at guitars. Um, I do not see the volume like what we saw 2018, 2019. In other words, I, I'm not going to go back more than that, but just 2018, 19, if I think about what I could get, not for the price, but just physically find, you still cannot find those guitars. There are a lot of guitars you just cannot find. Um, so although there is more guitars in the market now for sure, and the prices are going to come down at 30, 40%, which is good, for us, the ones that want to buy them. Um, it's still not, uh, it's still not the market. It was pre-pandemic. It's still a higher market. In other words, higher, meaning the price is still higher because of the inflation, but also there's not as much product out there. You could just see that. Um, and I, and I think the first thing you notice is, is that, uh, there was probably like a pick a company, right? Um, I'll use Kiesel as a good example. Cause I like those guys, the, 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 the guitars. Um, if you go on their in-stock report on their website, that's another thing I check weekly too, because I'm like, oh, what Kiesels are in stock? Maybe I want to get in stock to get Kiesel. Um, during the pandemic, I mean, you, you would see as little as two or three of those guitars in stock, sometimes maybe five on, on a high day five. And every time I saw one and I go, maybe I'll get that. And, uh, every time I go, I should call Brandon and see if they'll give me a deal. Right. Cause you know, cause I can get a, uh, a, a, a deal cause the channel, right. Maybe make a video and do some do some swapping, right? Hey, a video. And you give me a discount and we can do that. And we can get some, you know, get some excitement going. And, uh, every time, every time before I can even contact them, it would sell. Now you go on there and there's probably 20 guitars on there is when I saw quite a bit. So it feels alarming, like, Whoa, so many guitars, but, but back in 2019, they had more guitars listed for sure. So like I said, I see it across the the industry. You see more guitars available, more guitars coming up. Uh definitely more high-end guitars uh, sitting dormant and prices are coming down, but still not the market it was um where you could, you know, buy guitars at a really good price and, you know, and have more of a selection like pre-pandemic. It's just way better than it was. And so it's going to feel dramatic. Like I said, it feels like like he said, you use the word flooded. The market is flooded. It feels that way. But really, it's just a really nice trickling because it's still not there yet. Um, but like I said, I picked up two guitars re- recently um, that were really good deals um, and uh, thing guitars I was interested in. Like I said, and I've said this before, when I say deals, I just because I know some people are out there. You're, you're new to this. Uh, you know this guitar playing, guitar being a guitar geek. The deal is not super important. But when, like I said, in a market of buy before you try, a deal definitely lets you impulse buy differently, right? Because it's hard to buy something you haven't physically put your hands on, but it's a lot easier if you know that, okay, if I get this, I can get rid of it. And if I don't love it and let's face it, you're probably not going to love it, right? A lot of stuff you just think, you know, especially like said, it's harder, um, uh, it's harder. Uh, so so you guys have reference. It's hard for me as someone who's had, has a lot of guitars now and who's collected guitars for a long time. It's actually harder now. It doesn't get easier. It gets harder. As you found the guitars you absolutely love, then the bar becomes so high that you just immediately can't find a new guitar that you love. And, and that's good. You should stop, but you're always curious, right? Is there something else? Is there something else to check out? Um, that's just the psychology of this. And, you know, what else are you going to do with your time and money? <laughs> not going to, I'm not watching sports or politics and I'm not buying motorcycles or jet skis. So, uh, this is it for me. I'm going to talk about guitars and play guitars. This is from Dan who says, are there any super strat guitars with Gibson scale length like the Kramer Knights on? Yeah, actually, uh, Friedman makes, uh, the So NoHo, they make the NoHo, uh, which stands for North Hollywood, by the way, get you guys um, uh, mine's out of the gutter. Anyways, the, uh, Friedman NoHo is a 24 and three quarters scale, um, super strat. And there's actually, I'm trying to think of another one. There's a couple 24 and three quarters, uh, super strats. So, you know, I really would love, love to do a th- 24 and three quarters Badlands super strat. That, that would be my absolute w- wish I could do. So... And then like I've told you before, I'm just a small part of the company. Tiny. I'm just there. Uh, I have a role and that's, you know, that's why I'm part of it. But um, it's, you know, not something I control. It's not like I'm, the, you know, the face or the company or anything like that. Like I said, I have just a voting. I have a vote I can throw. And so um, that doesn't guarantee anything. But boy, I'd love to know in the comments if that's something you think would be interesting. I love this idea. Um, like but say like I said, currently the one I know of that does it, that I, that I like, that I've played, that I've enjoyed is the Freeman NoHo. And, um, you know, that guitar is fantastic. 24 and three quarter super strat. Um, the somebody says I missed a super chat. Somebody said from, is it from Jeff? Yep. Thank you guys. Thank you for helping me with that. Jeff's question was, Phil, anything you can do acoustic or electric guitar to help eliminate feedbacking on stage? Oh, so help a acoustic electric guitar from help, uh, feedbacking on stage. Sure. Uh, PA can sometimes catch it, but I turned down can, uh, can even feel it. Oh yeah. You could physically feel it shaking. Yeah. And resonating. Uh, yeah. So there's a couple things you can do. Um, the, uh, first easiest thing you can do is have a volume pedal on your foot. Um, They're passive. So look for a passive volume pedal. You can get an active one. The active ones will need a battery or power supply. And usually the, that power is to act to uh, power some kind of led or some kind of display. So you can see how much volume you have. I mean, obviously it's up to you. I mean, there's great volume pedals, you know, out there. Um, But absolutely, absolutely a volume pedal to me live on stage for an acoustic guitar is critical um, because like I said, it's off and on. You know, and you could probably get a kill switch button that does the same thing. So it just it kills the signal. That is, to me, paramount and uh, it's super easy, super cheap. You could pick up a volume paddle, just go in some music store, look around. There'll be one sitting in a case, sad, with dust on it. You pick it up. And like I said, because it's passive, no battery, no nothing, you just plug your cable, two cables, you know, one in each one, put it on the stage. You don't have to worry about anything. You turn on, and, and like I said, as soon as you're done playing, turn that volume off. You will avoid that feedback that's one thing. Second thing you do is make sure you have some kind of sound dampening device, like a sound hole plug, uh, something that plug in the sound hole. That's a huge part of it. That can help a lot. Um, if you have an awkward guitar or a pickup in the center, that is a problem, but I've modified certain ones. I mean, a lot of them are rubber or plastic. You can just make them, uh, you know, modify them. So that's easy too. Um, the second, third thing you can do, (laughs) the third thing you do, noise gate, you could always get yourself a noise gate. Notice I didn't say like a noise filter. It's a noise gate, something that literally it's like an automatic volume control. It's just going to literally you set it for, let's say, you know, negative one DB or whatever you're setting it for. You just set the knob and literally once the volume drops on your acoustic, it'll shut it off and you don't have to worry about the feedback as well. Now, there's also a feedback buster uh, pedal product that you can get and there's feedback buster products that will do that a lot of those products though Although I'm not heavily versed in the technology of that I think my basic understanding is that it runs things like out of phase, right? It's just like you have a phase switch on your acoustic sometimes um, Like I play a lot of tailors and they don't have any phase button But some of the affordable acoustics have them It's kind of a weird thing right that the affordable acoustics have it but the expensive guitars don't and um, but sometimes, in you know, you can get a preamp pedal that has it, but you definitely want something because a lot of the feedback, what's happening is, is that the f- the sound coming out of the PA and the sound of your guitar is at the same frequency, and I guess those waves like go like this together. You can watch videos on YouTube; they they line up with each other, in other words, and they cause that. That's what's causing it physically to vibrate. Uh, so you can get something that's um, that runs the g- guitar out of phase, especially if you're running direct to PA. That's what's nice about acoustic amps. So acoustic amps will have. That built in is a feature, but you can get, if you're not running an acoustic amp, you're running right into the PA, you can get a pedal that does that. And again, that's uh, like a preamp pedal, some kind of acoustic preamp pedal will have some kind of phase cancellation thing. So you have your options are phase cancellation, sound hole plugs, um, you obviously a volume control and a noise gate. Those four things, one, all of those things should stop the problem um, and uh, that will help. All right, on that note, thank you guys so much for your time. Until next week, know your gear.